What does God have to say about piercings and tattoos? Let's pour some coffee on it. You're listening to Coffee Talk with Father Brad. A lot of people have questions about tattoos. You know, um, the stereotypical image of the holy person does not include tattoos in some people's minds or piercings, unless they're right here and then they're okay with it. Um, But we all know that stereotypes aren't necessarily fully true. So what does God, the church, morality have to say about tattoos and piercings? It's not going to be black and white. I know everyone wants things to be locked in black and white. It's not going to be that. Usually the truth is in a more beautiful, complex tension between uh, two extremes or in the middle. Um, so let's let's go. Let's go to scripture. Some people who don't like tattoos point to Leviticus as a um, directive against it. It says this in Leviticus. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. <laughs> I love that. I am the Lord. Boom. We need context here. In this part of Leviticus, God is specifically uh, talking to them about practices relating to pagan cultures in which someone would die and out of despair and mourning, they would mutilate themselves, legitimately cut themselves, bloodlet, um, and the tattoos had to do with despair or mourning to the point of not understanding the resurrection or that God is in control. Um, Basically, these tattoos were associated with pagan cults. And so obviously, Yahweh, um, the God of the Israelites, was like, hey, yeah, don't participate in those rituals that include tattoos when it comes to mourning the dead. And don't have despair over those who died. Is this necessarily a prohibition against any tattoos or uh, any piercings that are seemingly permanent? No, obviously not. So it's a little more complicated. So let's go. Number one. The morality of tattoos, it depends on, should you get a tattoo? It depends on what the tattoo is saying. Uh, Should it be the F word? Probably not. Should it be a naked person, like pornography? No, don't do that. Don't tattoo that on your arm. Should it be Kermit the Frog eating a hamburger? I mean, probably not, unless that's super important to you. Um, Basically, don't make the tattoo. A tattoo shouldn't be something offensive or pagan or against God or against your human dignity or someone else's human dignity. It also shouldn't really be frivolous because it's permanent. It's a permanent thing. So it should be about something that is permanent. Should you get your girlfriend, your freshman year girlfriend that you met at orientation, her name tattooed on your chest? Probably not because you're probably not going to get married. To that person. It should be something more permanent. What lasts forever? Our souls. Jesus Christ, as scripture said, lasts forever. So I think as Christians, the most appropriate thing, if you were to get a tattoo, to get would be something about those things that are consistent and permanent. Love, you know, sacrifice, the Lord himself, his sacrifice for us. Also, this is super cool. The Coptic Christians of Egypt, they're super persecuted right now um, and their numbers are shrinking, but there's a long centuries old tradition of Coptic Christians in the Middle East in Egypt getting tattoos, tattoos on their wrist right here to show 
their commitment to Christianity, especially in recent years because of persecution, it's become almost a protest or a, uh, a sign, a, a desire to say, I'm speaking out loud, even on my body. I tattooed it on my body. My commitment to Christ. People, it's been a new thing, people getting their rings tattooed on their fingers. I can see that as very similar, right? A permanent decision to bind oneself to another person. And I can't even take it off. Um, so even Christians have done that in, in history. Now, you have to ask yourself the question. If you're thinking about getting a tattoo or if that's uh, something you, you're into, really sit down, take a breath, pray about it. Ask yourself the question, is this an outgrowth of my identity and relationship to God? Or is it replacing something? Is it filling a hole that's not being filled somewhere else? I think the fascination or one of the fascinations with tattoos, I mean, I don't have one, but talking to friends who do and is the permanence. That it's something permanent, especially in our culture, which doesn't have a lot of permanence. You know, a lot of marriages have broken up. Um, everything's changing. People move very consistently um, in our in our culture from place to place. We, we lack a permanence and there's some deep desire, the human heart to have something forever. Like I make a decision and it's going to be that and it will never change. And people can replace God with these things like tattoos or body piercings. When they lack permanence, they want to grasp onto that permanence and they become addicted to it and they place that as an idol in front of God. So you have to ask yourself that question. If that's the case, then maybe rethink your approach to tattoos. Now let's talk about piercings. Similarly, the acceptability of piercing is a cultural construct, right? If you actually think about it, think about it. Just sit down, have an out-of-body experience, and look at this, like we put holes in your ears. We already got a hole in our ear and you put more holes in your ears. That's cool, I'm cool with it, but it's a cultural construct. The reason why everyone, even everyone's grandmas is cool with this is because it's part of the cultural development and it's seen as okay in society. That's cool. So there's nothing intrinsically wrong with a hole here or here, right, or here. But there's nothing uh, culturally, intrinsically immoral about piercings unless it's done to the point of mutilation of the body or, again, hiding your own identity or taking the place of something. In fact, piercings have a scriptural foundation. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 16, God is expressing his love for Israel in a nuptial way. He's saying, I'm the bridegroom, you're the bride. And this is what he says. I adorn you with jewelry. I put bracelets on your arms and a necklace around your neck. So this is God talking to Israel. And I put a ring on your nose and earrings on your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. In Judaism, those who are getting married would wear Jerusalem on their head as a crown. And they would wear fine clothing. They became basically king and queen for a day. They wore uh, necklaces. And you, and you saw this? A ring in their nose. A nose ring in the Old Testament, in Semitic culture, is actually a symbol for marriage. You would get a nose ring when you're married. So I say the next couple I marry 
you're not gonna exchange rings for your fingers, you're gonna exchange nose rings. Wouldn't that be romantic? No, no but, but for real, there's scriptural foundations for nose rings and it's so profound. It's, it's right in the middle of the, of the very foundation of, of humanity and love, marriage. And so there's not, not something intrinsically wrong with nose rings. You just gotta make sure that they don't, these things, piercings, tattoos, anything that, especially that's permanent, that adorns us, they're supposed to beautify us, we have to make sure that it does just that and doesn't cover us to the point of destroying who we are, our identity, or replacing God. Hey guys, we're going to do a little housekeeping. Uh, first, we're going to go around the world. Okay, we got an email from Marlise Taylor, one of the patrons, and she says, one of the best episodes, um, I can't remember which one she was talking about. Guests laughing. Oh, this is a Vera and, and Mike Wilson, their episode. Um, so she says, if for no other reason, it's the best episode, if for no other reason, then your guest laughs. I was giggling just listening to them laugh. Keep up the good work. Always blessed and thankful to be able to learn more about faith in this format. Thank you, Marlise. If you want to send an email, um, an update on how you're liking the show, any suggestions, you can send it to quizzicalpapist at gmail.com, just like Marlise did. Now to the patrons. We have two new patrons, Elizabeth Fuselay, who's been on the show, and Meredith Brown, who will be on the show because she's a $5 patron and she's scheduled. She responded super quick. Thank you so much for your donation for your help for your five dollars every month i mean there's little bitty things that we have to pay for replacements of equipment um the little noises and songs and jingles um and things like that i'm constantly trying to update or or change things up and make it more professional so your money goes towards that and finally for reviews we have three reviews three we're kicking Buhaini with the reviews. Okay, first we got Joseph Ratzinger. Sweet. Not even Pope Benedict. This is like way from back in the day. Joseph Ratzinger. Doesn't have the papal, um, I guess, stamp of approval. This is just the CDF. This is the Congregation of Doctrine of Faith stamp of approval. Five stars. Joseph says, lots of fun, especially if you're a Catholic nerd like me. Cardinal Ratzinger, you are a Catholic nerd. I mean, you're you're a professor. You love St. Augustine. You're a cardinal. You're head of the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith. By the way, um, Joseph Ratzinger would become Pope Benedict. That's what this bit is. Okay, anyway. Uh, next, we have T.N. Cerny, 42, five stars. Uh, T.N. Cerny says, I have enjoyed listening to your podcast and play along with the trivia. Good. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, pause it, play along, see if you get it, and then listen to everyone talk it out. I was gobsmacked that the ships of Columbus did not trip off the tongue. Yeah, me too. And they were like, what is it? The Nina Pinta. I was listening to that episode while digging fence post holes for my wife's riding arena in rural Cobden, Illinois. Not weird but perhaps unique. Keep the questions coming. God bless. 
Tom. So this is Tom, and what he did was he responded to my request to tell me the weirdest place you've listened to the Quizzical Papist. Dig in Pensfos? Fence posts. Um, so I'm glad uh, I can be with you and get some work and help you get work done. And lastly, C. Marshall Turner, five stars as well. And C. Marshall says, as a fallen away Catholic who has recently come home, I find all of Father Brad's podcasts and videos extremely beneficial in reconnecting with and learning about our faith. Father Brad's knowledge, coupled with his quirky and awesome sense of humor, easily puts his shows in the number one slot of my greatest podcast countdown. You have a greatest podcast countdown? That's awesome. I'm number one. I like, I'm so humbled. The Quizzical Papist is the new Catholic bingo. I don't know. Is this a reference to like where everyone would get together and play bingo and like I'm replacing that? So like a bunch of blue hairs, you know, elderly people going, I really can't even write now. That would be awesome. That's my goal. That's my dream. Thank you, C. Marshall Turner. Thanks, Tom. And thanks, Cardinal Joseph or Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger. If y'all want to be y'all have y'all's reviews read, go to iTunes, scroll to the bottom, go on your iPhone, click the show art and scroll to the bottom, hit write a review, write it, tell us where's the weirdest place you have listened to the Quizzical Papist. I'll catch you next week. God bless you and may your week be super blessed and filled with grace and blessings. Peace.